Welcome to Machine Learning. Well, I sure hope you have enjoyed the discussion on string theory versus quark theory. Isn't it amazing that quantum electromagnetic dynamics works? I think it's amazing. And that quantum mechanics is studied by even archaeologists. And the reason why they studied the art quantum electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic theory is to understand the atom. Because there's lots of evidence in the atom about history. But I do find it interesting that I, I have a friend who is an archaeologist, and on his book, his bookshelf, was a book on QED, quantum electromagnetic dynamics. Well, and I browsed through it to see if it actually had been read, and it seemed to be more of a reference book. It wasn't, the pages weren't worn. It's not something that he read all the time. Maybe just to test his knowledge of the theory of quarks and subatomic particles and transitions from certain states that of matter that only exist for very, very small amounts of time, like 10 to the minus 25th second. But I did watch a YouTube on the strong force. And the strong force is related to the distance between the the um, nucleus of the atom. And his point that he was making is the larger molecules with lots of atoms or lots of uh, neutrons and protons hits a threshold of around 100. <coughs> 100. So if you look at the periodic table, there is um, not many elements or no elements really that go above 100. So he reasons that the strong force is a function of distance. And that strong force generates a lot of energy. Now, according to quark theory, 
that there is a more Logarino flow that is going happening between the cork lattices. And the, the cork lattices are actually generating part of that flow. And then there's cork twisters that also exist there that the electron is made up of these cork twisters with a charge. <clears throat> but the mysterious cork, the electron, which you cannot know both the position and the speed at the same time, is not a particle, but is a state of energy, an energy level. which I found was interesting. <clears throat> Maybe that will change the definitions as more research is done in that area to explain that phenomenon. Well, we've used and harnessed the electron to power all our devices, computers, cars, homes, appliances, Electricity is a form of energy that we understand very well. However, are we totally efficient with how we understand that energy? No. There's more understanding of what electricity is what the electron is. And uh, he said that the strong force could generate per atom about 70 pounds. So you can imagine what a series of atoms could produce in the strong force. There's a lot of energy that the strong force can generate. So the, their Feynman said there's uh, uh, unlimited energy at the bottom. He called it the he called it the bottomless well. And that might be. Uh, a good podcast to cover is the bottomless well. So, you know, when you look at the molecules, how they're connected, um, I think I'll cover today, I'll cover the book called The God Particle, which is interesting because he talks about baryons and the cork structures that make up a baryon, but those are what keeps the, the atoms together, what keeps two protons with positive charge, which would, ex would propel each other, just like a magnet propels each other, uh, would you have two, two uh, similar charges, they push each other apart. So he said that there's the strong force, the weak force, electromagnetism, and gravity. Those are your four 
forces in the universe. And, uh, you know, mechanical theory states that gravity is an energy. So, you know, there's four different theories of what gravity is. Scientific world string, where it's a, a closed loop string that's resonating on a different dimension. That you can't see it because it's in a dimension, um, the dimensional plane, but it can be felt across the universe. Well, and, and the uh, the physicist said that the strong force is the same way, that it could be felt instantaneously across the universe. I mean, how strong would it, how much of a, a influence would be very, very small, but it still w would have a measurable influence. In some ways, I think that the world of physics is quite interesting. We use the world of physics to explain phenomena like friction, momentum, uh, kinetic energy, mechanical things, and, and we can then put those into equations to explain what is happening. And so there's a lot of thought that, that can occur in the realm of physics. And I find it always interesting that a physicist's board looks like a giant puzzle. Almost like those puzzles where you're looking for clues. But it seems to be telling a story. I remember when I took a physics class, the professor said, let the equation tell you the story. What is it really saying when you're talking about friction or conservation of energy or momentum or potential energy or kinetic energy? What are those equations saying to you? And, you know, you see that effect when you're driving on a road. You understand that there are friction coefficients between the tire and the road. And why is it that tires with good tread have a stronger friction coefficient? And does weight matter? Does the force vector, the normal <clears throat> of the gravitational pull by two mass of uh, an object called the Earth and your car, you have mass one, mass two. Why does that force contribute to friction? So I've actually started building these educational 
applications that start to answer some questions or um, get people to think. Very easy. But I I find it kind of fascinating after um, analyzing machine learning and getting a little bit of exposure to that, how uh, machine learning starts to help you think about your data. And now I'm actually becoming more curious about statistics because I'm seeing that a lot of things are probabilistic. And if you have a system for understanding the data, the data can tell you a story, just like the physics equations could talk like a language. And so maybe the physicist who can understand a whole board full of equations understands the language of those equations and what it means. Well, it's early on a Thursday morning and we're talking physics. That means that you're the type of person that likes to understand how things work. And I like to think about physics. I don't think about physics all the time, but I do like to think about how things work. And Many times people will ask, how do I do this, or what does this mean? And as you start to explain the technical world of how it means, what it means, it's not just plug in to your software and turn it on, even though that's what people do. They turn on their software and they begin to do work. But there are better ways. There are better ways to leverage how we do work, and that is the machine. And we're beginning to see some of the value of advanced machinery. I remember one time my uncle told me that we're just now beginning to see what the machine can do for us. And that was in the 19, early 2000s when he said that. And he had been working on supercomputers or craze for most of his career. He's retired now. And he's enjoying retirement life. I uh, I think that uh, 
we have to be careful about assumptions. They're judgmental. They're critical. They contribute to problems. It's better to ask questions, get a better understanding of what is going on. And not always have to be right. It's okay to be vulnerable and be yourself. Because that takes a lot of responsibility off your shoulders. You don't have to be right for someone else. You don't have to understand their destiny. Let them figure out their destiny. Let them figure out what works. Because in essence, that's what we did. We figured out what works. We figured out what direction to go. We moved with the forces that governed us. And uh, so we, we, we do run with a certain pace in life. And we can move from various companies and understand the mechanics that are moving us within those companies. One thing that I find really interesting is... how we uh, look and perceive at our financial security. If we are saving money right now, let's say we're saving at the at a pace of uh, 3000 a month, which is pretty good if you're thinking about it, that would be 36000 a year. And then we say, okay, I have to work 20 years saving at $3,000 a month so that when I retire, I can make have an income of $3,000 a month. But then when you have saved up all that money and you retire, and now you're drawing on that Save those savings. You still pay on taxes on it. And at some point you may say, wow, they take a ton of money on my taxes for taxes. And you calculate that you really don't have 20 years of money 
to pay for living at 3000 a month. So you go back to work. And so in essence, you've worked all your life. And I find that kind of a fascinating phenomenon. As you saved all this money and then you consume it, it wasn't enough. It seems like if you can learn how to generate money, meaning that you can provide something that someone will pay you for, that is better. And that's why I've been doing podcasts. I make about $5 a podcast. And it's real strange because I can't seem to break that that limit. It's like Anchor algorithm will only allow so many uh, listens per day. It's very strange because there's a lot of content out there that I've put together on a number of different subjects across quite quite a range. And I know how many my audience is, expected audience, so it has to be a certain particular content. And every once in a while, like I had one one where I don't know why, what the content I was talking about just spiked like crazy, and I had 4,000 listens. So I hit the, like my all-time high of like, uh, 9,000 listens. And it could have been just part of their algorithm that opened up. I mean, I checked to see the, uh, what, you know, podcasting sites that, that link, link to me are talking about and they always, it's there. My reference is there. But it's just uh, an interesting phenomenon, if you ask me, that it consistently stays in a certain range, like 155 listeners. And the reason why I haven't just focused exclusively on machine learning is machine learning is a tool. It's a technique for understanding data. It's a technique for understanding the reality around us. And if we make assumptions about the data without asking the questions, we can create reality from the data and it could be a wrong reality and I like I like how people have uh, said this that you can make any statistic lie if you have the right data so you know we need to get that nice Gaussian distribution and uh, we need to find correlation in our data and build the 
try to build from the data the rules. So there's a lot of hypothesis testing that can go on. And so we we take what we think are the rules and we test it with the data. And we test it with our statistical methods. And uh, right now I'm uh, learning Power BI, and I probably should be studying statistics. But the reason I chose Power BI is because, again, this idea that the world solves problems with simple answers. It doesn't look at complex statistical inference deductions, inference um, conclusions. Instead, what it does is it runs simple equations and visualizations to test from our data, which is fairly simple, uh, in a simple form. It may be complex in terms of the processes that generated it. But that data, we will have to be careful not to make assumptions about it, to test it out, to prove it, and get enough samplings to conclude that our conclusions are strong. 